What is happening? And welcome to episode three of The Craft. Joining me today is Eno Saris, recurring guest of The Craft, and I'm Nick Pollock. Eno, great to see you. Good to see you too. I had oh, a, a, a dream yeah. last night, one of those dreams where you're like waking up out of it. Um, and so you sort of finish the dream as you're waking up. And the dream was that I was a, uh, a professional wrestler. Oh. Uh, and that um, my name was uh, that kid, Jeremy. And uh, it's, <laughs> and, uh, and I was, and it was all Pearl Jam. So I would come out in like a, a flannel and jeans oh my God. and look all grungy this and make all sorts of like Pearl Jam references. Like my hits won't come at an even flow or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, and I was like coming up with these as I was waking up. It's like this whole, like, like, you know, announcer bit, you know, and I was mm-hmm. the announcer and also the wrestler, you know, that's what dreams are like, but like, you know, it was, a, that's amazing. <laughs> a really funny way to wake up. That's incredible. Like your count is 10 right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely what I expected when we began this uh, today. <laughs> um, it has been a week for me a bit. I know it has been for you. It's been really that busy time of us like getting this core stuff done and then we can kind of relax a little for a moment before the season starts. At least for me. Well, there's uh, like, there's like a, a creep, right? In terms of like, we are expected to do these earlier and earlier. Yeah. It's not even draft um, season, and we have to like come out with our big two hundreds and our four hundreds and everything. Uh, gosh, yes, four hundred, four hundred. I know it was supposed to be three hundred. Then I realized that I had enough for three fifty, and then and then it was just I kept. What happened is I had all these prospects. They're like, "Well, I need to bring up. I need to talk about this guy because he's going to mm, get starts." I see. And then I just kept going, and then I realized that there are all these random free agents that could have a job or something like that, or just guys who were relievers last year, but like maybe. You know, Prelander Barola or Davy Garcia become a, a starter, and I want to write that some you know something really quick, and just kept going and going. And what I think people don't realize is it's not just as easy as just like writing this article and that's it done. the The fact that I'm writing it and then I'm reordering it means that I need to go in and then individually say, well, if I'm jumping this guy from like 278 to like 222, that means I need to do everyone else 223, 224, 225 over again. I need to mm. edit the article. Oh my gosh. There's so many. Oh, that's right. Because I work more on a spreadsheet. And so I just, what I end up doing is I I throw a bunch of people at 60, right? Yeah. And then I I go to the top and I just do uh, rank equals A2 plus one, drop it through, go look at it and be like, okay, I had these all at 60, but this guy's really 61. This guy's 65 and like reorder within these little tiers I've made. So I do that, but it's, I do that. I, I did it all on a spreadsheet, but then getting into the WordPress post. And then formatting it and then redoing yeah. that because I read it again. I do this and I add this guy. I'm like, oh, gosh. So I there's a lot of this finding some on. way engineering wise. Uh, we we at the Athletic found a way to actually just pull off my uh, spreadsheet. Oh, man. So That's what I'm going to do for that, next year. They just put I'm gonna, that. Into I'm going to get the, the, the firepower. Of my yeah, there's some sort of like. It's it's engine. I was like, thank you, engineering. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I need to call New York Times. I'll see if I can uh, get that done uh, for next year. Um, just have the but, New York Times or disposal engineering. Yeah, just whatever. I mean, I'm a New Yorker. All of us got that, right? Yeah, right. You're in New York. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you guys so much, everybody listening. Uh, it has blown me away. Uh, we really put out this feed last week, and I uh, quickly became the number one baseball podcast in America, which is just insane to me. Um, thank you all so much. We've seen some really great reviews as well, ratings, and uh, we hope that we can live up to that uh, throughout this season. But really, thank you guys so much for listening. We enjoyed this so much. To me, this is my dream, uh, just being able to ramble for and whatever amount of time. I guess it's like an hour today with my idol in the industry. So uh, thank you all so much for doing this. And today, well, after last week, we talked about Eno's rankings, and I had a couple guys I wanted to talk about there. I have this 400. So you get to choose two, you know, and uh, we got some feedback from uh, one of our listeners saying, hey, maybe having two guys each instead of one each will maybe help that flow continue a little bit better, which I agree with. And it's not like we can't do that. So we're going to have it as two each. It's not like we'll we, see we get don't actually end up talking about like 25 pitchers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's see. Who is the one from my rankings? And by the way, guys, this is for fantasy stuff. This is not really a fantasy podcast. It's just right now we have this. But for the most part, it's just going to be talking just about baseball and these pitchers. But all right. Who do you think that I am not as uh, high on or low on 
for 2024? I uh, really had a hard time uh, with my ranking of Aaron Nola. Mm. And uh, it's mine started out closer to where you have him, 11. I ended up uh, 18. And in fact, in my running ranks right now, he might be down to 20. Oh, man. Um, because, you know, I was like, I do like Bobby Miller. Why don't I just push him up some more? And then I was like, who's he going to blow past? Uh, Aaron Nola. And, uh, and, you know, so I have a, a couple of little things I just wanted to point out about Nola. Yeah. Um, and one is just, you know, since these are fantasy rankings, uh, one thing that I did this year I hadn't really done before is I ran like a, I looked at what they'd done fantasy wise in the past. Like mm-hmm. we do, when we look at these guys, we look at them as like little sort of entities. We're like, oh, they did this and they did this and this pitch right. is doing this. And, and I just wanted to actually just like lean back and be like, no, what did they, what did they give players in the past? Like, what did mm-hmm. they do fantasy wise? Um, and so I found that in 2021, Aaron Nola was the 58th best starting pitcher. In 2022, even uh, he, and he threw 180 innings in 2021. So it wasn't an innings problem. Right. In 2022, he threw 205 innings. He was the 18th best starting pitcher. Mm. And then in 2023, he threw 193 innings and was the 51st best starting pitcher. And so when I saw that, I was kind of like, he's in front of the same defense, although it's improving a little bit. He's in the same park. Yep. You know, what am I what am I banking on for him to be better than he was in 2022? What am I banking on for him to be better, you know, going forward? And then uh, not to get too long-winded, but, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I had a conversation with uh, somebody in the Phillies organization where I was like, you know, uh, he seems to be kind of like playing around with his four seam and a sinker. And there's like these different sh- little small changes in shape every year where he's trying to find the ideal mix of four seam and sinker. Um, and I don't know, like, like, have you ever thought about a cutter with him? And I, <laughs> You know, this happens sometimes. You just like, and they were like, he he's throwing a cutter. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> but, you know, I, then I looked at my model and, uh, you know, Stuff Plus doesn't like his cutter. Um, and it, it it says the sinker and four seam are both just like, eh, in terms of stuff. And so I see kind of somebody who's, maybe just too fast approaching the Charlie Morton, Adam Wainwright. I have one elite pitch and I have to fix everything around that one elite pitch. And he's not doing it in a great park to be doing that. So um, I guess my overall question is like, what do you think Aaron Nola is going to do differently to power past 2022 even and, and be better than he was in 2022? Yeah, this is, that is such a cool way of framing it of like all right the last three years he hasn't been better than 18 like how can you do that right um i i had a suspicion as to why it was 18 and i just got it for reference the uh, the reason that he was 18th is not because of his era whip and strikeout rate and like volume and stuff right 325 era 0.96 it was wins uh 29% carry 11 wins and that was 11 wins. Well, there's going to be guys who have like 17 or something or like right. uh, 16. Then we can't really. And wins, you know, I talked about it with Eric Samolsky on uh, on Monday. Like wins are so weird. Yeah. So wins. Honestly, I would. I prefer fantasy leagues that just do innings like points, essentially, of just innings and not really caring about wins. Mm-hmm. That's me. Um, but uh, but regardless, it is five by five. It is wins. Well, it's the team's, the team's really been getting better and there's noise and wins. I can, I can yeah. buy that argument. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is I. Uh, the uh, you know the player raider is going to heavily, 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 heavily favor those who happen to get those wins, and uh, yeah, I think we're both in agreement that like Noel probably shouldn't have had eleven wins in thirty two starts right. with the way that he pitched that year, right? Yeah. So that makes me feel a little bit better about that eighteen at the very least. But you are absolutely right. Like two thousand twenty one, two thousand twenty three. Like we do not accept that as a fantasy community. We're not like, hey, cool, we want that from Aaron Nola. Um. Yeah, the Phillies are cool with it. That's why they signed with him because yeah, right. You know his <laughs> WAR was fine. Like yeah. he was still, a, you know, and he, you know, ended up really contributing in the postseason. But sure, you know, uh, it just seems to be like a sort of a credible. Uh, and those are really hard to to rank. I think sort of yeah, credible so, mid career veterans who I don't think have the upside to be a top five pitcher in the league or top ten pitcher in the league. But here's the thing to me: um, 
I mean, I will mention, of course, we have to give some sort of weight to be like, hey, look, we expect him to have 200 strikeouts, and that's really cool. And I expect mm-hmm. him to do it in a way that he's not going to kill my whip. He's not a whip killer. Last four years, 115, whip or better. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really, really important to me. I also think that the defense did get considerably better once Harper returned. That means that Schorber wasn't in the outfield anymore. Mm-hmm. And that really does help him a ton. Um, also, it's one not like his Babbitt was big last year, so it's you know I under I, I understand that's still going to help as far as like the left on base rate being sixty six percent. Um, and also you have the home run rate being the highest it's been. Generally, I think that home run rates are I think Alex Max was showing that it's the least sticky year to year. Um, and that was much lower in two thousand twenty two. I don't really feel like one or the other is just saying no, that's who that is, and you shouldn't think the other one is real or something, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. like nope, he's one forty nine now. We're going to completely throw away. 2022 in that regard to me um with Aaron Nola and trust me I've talked about Aaron Nola so many times with Alan Adair oh my gosh I uh, the thing is his four seamer is just not utilized right and he's someone that he's using a sinker I think correctly it's one of the few guys that I actually trust to locate a sinker glove side he just does it really well he gets called strikes with it it's good he actually started going inside just as much as backdoor to righties with a sinker which is finally, yes, that's a very good thing. You have so much movement on the sinker. You have good command on it. You should be able to do this effectively. He does. The four seamers mimicking that though, of staying away, like hyper, hyper away. And you know, last time, or maybe the first episode, you guys know by now that I really hate four seamers located middle away. Um, oh, that's so where he throws it. I'm looking at it right now. Right. And what does Aaron Nola actually have? He has good VAA and good extension. And wait, hold on a second. Like he could actually do upstairs four seamers. He legitimately could do this. And I that's the easy path for me. It's just Aaron Ol, you are a command pitcher. I wouldn't say that you are the most pristine one. There are times that he gets away from. Him. He's a little bit of a slinger, which can mean a little bit more out of rhythm, I think, than guys that are more over the top. However, he is someone that has been able to throw strikes a ton and be able to do that backdoor sinker like few in the league. So I actually do believe there is that path that can happen where Nola mm. starts doing that effectively. And yeah, considering that Zach Wheeler does uh, effectively, um, it's a huge thing in the league that, that I imagine is going to be some conversation somewhere. Maybe Nola is someone that isn't comfortable doing it and just doesn't have that skill set. And that's no. understandable too. No, look at his uh, 2022 season, his best season. Uh, the, the heat maps are a little different. He uh-huh. kind of has... Uh, two big red splotches one being uh up middle mm-hmm. and the other being away middle um and so it looks like in his best season he had better forcing fastball command but it does still speak to me a little bit about this weird thing that kind of happens to his fastballs which they're not the same every year. Yeah. And I don't, I just don't know what I'm going to get out of him in terms of fastball movement uh, every year. If I'm looking at, let me see, I'm going to just look at only the four seam and sinker and look at horizontal movement. Um, yeah, like they have come together in terms of horizontal movement and then come apart. And it's not like you can say, oh, in the 2022 year, they were this in the 20 in the other years, they were this. It's mm-hmm. they're sort of generally growing apart horizontally, uh, which I would say is should be good. Um, and then last year was also they're growing apart um, vertically. So they're becoming more distinct over time, yeah. which I would say is good. But they don't mimic what they did in 2022, which was his best year. Yeah. So, no, I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, the VAA itself even um, got a little bit worse. The uh, the extension was the same. Arm side break was down almost an inch uh, from 2022. IVB was the same, or vert, I should say. Um, PLV likes it for more. a guy who has plus plus command, right? Like you, yeah, you'd think he could just do with with the ball what he wants and then so then you're like okay is this what you want to do with the ball that's weird because the results weren't amazing (laughs) right i mean so i have actually um i'm showing you know right now the heat map that we have on our plv uh pitches app um which is still free thing for about another week for everybody but then it'll be a peer pro thing but um this is aaron nola's 2022 four seamer locations and you're right you know he is more blotchy a little bit more than 
than upstairs. However, he's still doing it less often than average. Than like the average. Yeah, that's interesting. The what the heat map I was looking at was just how often he does it raw. I like it better compared to yeah. Kyle Blank came up with this. Tom Tango even made a post being like, "Oh my gosh, why aren't we doing this? It's it's better just like write the raw number. We get these impressions of it, but then actually seeing more or less." Uh, and uh, this really helps me understand, like, cool, this is really what their approach is, because everyone's going to always, like, throw a middle middle fastball at some point, right? Like, it's, you know, that's always going to happen. It's just, uh, so there, there is still growth to be had is here. Is like, gun shyness? Is he staying away know. because of homers in the park or something? It might be. Um, he did have a two-point uh, two drop in swing strike rate on his four-seamer from 2022 to 2023. So Aaron Nola could return to that. The way the reason I really have him at eleven is the way that I did my rankings was uh, I had it twelve through sixteen are like my fun guys with less volume, right? So you have mm. like Yamamoto in there, Bobby Miller. You have Glasnow in there. Uh, you have one other that I'm totally so he was right like now. your last guy where you're like I I think the quality is really high and I think right. the quantity is really high and I think two hundred strikeouts is going to happen mm. and uh, and it's not Dylan Cease. So uh, yeah, that is a that is a such a thing in the rankings that I, I struggled with. And you'll see in my rankings these pockets of yeah. lower like, you know, like uh, I had, uh, you know, Joe Musgrove and Max Fried were kind of easy to rank ahead of like Michael King uh, and Hunter yeah. Green, uh, even though I might be more excited about Michael King and Hunter Green uh, right. in terms of like their stuff. And so sure. you hear these little pockets where you're like, okay, this is an acceptable place to put some like lower quantity guys. Yeah. That's a, that's actually such a huge part of how I do it because no, we're not going to get it right of like the actual entanglement of everything. It's going to be fluttered at the end of the year. You're going to talk about the player rate and it's going to be all different types of guys all interspersed. But what really helps with these is we say, these are similar type players. And then these are other similar type players. And if you want this kind of type, I don't blame you. They're pretty, equal you know equal in types but i'm going to say inside of these groupings i prefer these guys in this order yeah. and that really helps me con- uh, construct these year to year and i could have put i almost put nola like right where kyle bradish is um at 17 i was like do i want before right or after? that's that's where i sort of i just put i just put him behind the right guys. and i, think, I almost I, did that but then know, i just Miller... think it gets better i think it's just not going to be a four plus era and then it'll be like a 110 whip with highest high win chance and 200 strikeouts i'm like yeah i'm not i'm gonna be really happy with that so right the bullpen uh has gotten better since 2022 and the defense has oh, that's a good better. point too yeah they had a terrible one in 2022 as well right and and, and i think some leads, i'm sure was it 21 or something it was like the worst one of the worst defenses of all time so yeah who was the uh the biggest like pocket one for you that you're just like like truly just like i do not want to draft this guy but like i don't know where to put him oh so. oh 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 Right. Um, I mean, like there's a Seth Lugo and Waka stuff, but Jordan Montgomery for me. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Jordan Montgomery is like, there's everything is screaming at me not to draft this guy, but he's going to get drafted and I have to rank him somewhere. (laughs) Right. So he kept like, he kept, I, you know what he ended up being? It's kind of a firewall with like you're talking about that sort of Aaron Nola thing, but way lower where it was like, okay, this guy is going to give you some innings and I don't know. Um, you know, who's going to, so he ends up right now, he's ahead of, uh, Savali, um, Pavetta, Kikuchi, um, you know, he's in a pocket with Chris Bassett and Eduardo Rodriguez, who are my other yeah. guys oh, a little bit like yeah. that for me. I totally Bassett, get that. Bassett's a little bit, I don't know. I, there's nothing that tells me that he's going to have uh the era he's had over the last three years except for the fact that he's had that era for the last three years and he has well he has like six pitches you were talking about this about right, like, right. stuff out the window when it comes to having a deep repertoire so like barrios bassett rodriguez and montgomery are in a little tier for me it was like i probably won't get these guys because i'm yeah. putting them in the in the 50s <laughs> right know? so i have that in its own little mini thing of like how i do it is like cool i need to draft four guys this is again 12 teamers i need to have four guys that i'm Picking up, or, or sorry, drafting, and I'm just not not letting go the entire year. That is that is traditionally who are those guys? I need to get those and have that ahead of everything. And then when that hits, then I say, fine, I guess I could make this my SB4 and whatever. And that's where that Bassett, Montgomery, Merrill mm-hmm. Kelly, Brian Bayo is for yeah, me. Yeah, Merrill Kelly's in there for me too. <laughs> um, and actually one other guy, which is I think going to be a real surprise for a lot of people when this comes out. And it's another Philly. It's Christopher Sanchez. 
Mm. Um, he was at 46 for me, actually above Jordan Montgomery, because I think that his changeup and sinker are better than Jordan Montgomery's changeup and sinker. And probably the death ball fine is better for uh for Sanchez. Sorry, <laughs> that's for just marketing, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing. I actually even wrote that. I was like, oh, thanks, passing. Yeah. Done. <laughs> oh my gosh. I uh, but Christopher Sanchez to me, um, and correct me if I'm we might have even like touched on him before. I I see the Phillies saying, hey, yeah, man, go and start six innings all the time because he does it so efficiently. And mm. his sinker. I think I uh, didn't actually do that well against right-handers. I think uh, that's probably his biggest weakness. That's but the thing is the changeup is so good against right-handers. I would, I would be more concerned about this. Generally we see this from like a right-hander perspective. Oh no. What's he going to do against lefties? Cause he has a sinker and a slider and it's a sweeper. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Right. But when it's, when it's an unbelievably elite changeup, um, and that takes down the biggest problem, right? Which is right-handers. And then you also can throw that change up against left-handers and the sinker just completely destroys lefties. He also should be throwing that more inside. Like, I don't understand why he's settling for his sinker's always glove side. Like, what? Okay. I uh, throw that inside more against lefties. Um, it's such a fun uh, situation he's in because being as efficient as he is with a strikeout pitch, literally, this is going to continue to be 20% plus swing strike rates. Like, this is one of the best change-ups I've seen. Also mirrors so well with the sinker that I kind of see Christopher Sanchez just coasting and the Phillies being totally fine with it. It's a winning ball club. And I kind of thought of it as like, I originally had him down with Savali Bieber, Stroman fought and Eduardo Rodriguez, right? There's that other pocket. It's always that pocket of Toby's. Yeah. That's where I have him right now. Right. And I realized that the one I have after this, which is my, all right, you got a hundred dollars to spend at the mall. Go nuts. Like who cares? (laughs) That's what that tier is called. hundred dollars at the mall. Yeah, um, uh, and uh it's like that's rodan and evaldi and gavin williams and christian javier and R- ryan pepio and cutter crawford and louis varlins all the super fun things that mm. i am intrigued by and i'm like i want to take a chance on these out of camp but then i'm like yeah but christopher sanchez is going to be totally fine and like to- like i just feel more confident drafting christopher sanchez uh because that sinker movement is amazing the changeup is amazing he uh, doesn't even have a bad slider like it's not super vicious but that's gonna help a ton uh it just felt oddly safe and those i want to compare to like ranger suarez because i understand they both had these amazing stretches converting from relief to starter they both got really nice schedules the big pushback i'll give you is that it's a way better change up and he did it against the against atlanta like sure he had a really good stretch against bad teams but then he did it against atlanta where he had 10 strikeouts against them and uh, that's a whole other conversation about like the Braves are so weak to changeups. It's pretty hilarious to me. The Phillies figured it out. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I I just did a segment with someone where he game planned against Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, with a major league pitcher, and he was like, "Changeups." And he's like, yeah. "I don't care. Right on right changeups. Doesn't yeah. matter. Just changeups." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That's the only thing." He's like, "That's the only thing." <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, uh, and that and that pitcher had had okay success against them, so I was like, "All right, it's um, going to be Michael Walker when the Royals face Atlanta, of course." That's yeah. clearly what it is. <laughs> uh, I I really like Sanchez, and I had a real hard time with my model not loving his changeup and me seeing it with my eyes and being like, yeah. "Oh God!" And um, when we put handedness in the model this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when we updated it, we, we, we did it like a, um, we put in the model, we basically put handedness in the model just to like acknowledge that pitch, pitches have platoon splits, you know? Right. And so, uh, once that happened, changeups got a little better and one a model, a model hasn't been so great at changeups. So I think this is going to get better at changeups. And now it says he has one of the best, like five changeups in the big leagues, which is, I think. With That's the eye test says, yeah. right? Oh, um, I'll I'll keep fighting on Kyle Bland on them uh, our model uh, saying that Cole Reagans has a bad changeup. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> right. not a change. I mean, I think changeups are are still just tricky. I think one of the yeah. things that we don't have are like we don't have arm speed, we don't have arm angle. Um, yeah. Those as like directly measurable things, I think, are important to the batter because the batter can see if you're you know, changing your mechanics yeah. on the change 100%. up. If there's a way to actually even get like 
initial angle change? Like if you see like the curveball pop out. We tried. We yeah. oh so oh you mean in the movement? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that could be some release point stuff. We can uh, talk about points, the hump, right? Release point's important in our model. I don't think we've tested release point differential. That's like sort of mm-hmm. the Bryce Miller thing. So maybe release point differential is something we should ch- test because it's um that might get at what you're talking about. It's like yeah. you know a, a difference well, as opposed. Well, I remember to this thing of like when I would throw a curveball. There, uh, there were essentially two types I would throw. I'd be like my normal one, just like a karate chop one. Uh-huh. But there were times I would try to make it more twelve six and actually cast it like a like a fishing rod. Uh huh. That's like and, Yamamoto kind of does it that way. Oh yeah, right, right. Oh, he does a really interesting. He he turns his his wrist uh, hand back to you know the whole wrist he, is yeah, facing him. Crazy you know? looking. Yeah. I I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, but that's just me. <laughs> um, but I uh, from like yeah, he, you he know does, a, a batter will see it standpoint or from like a, well uh, right as when you cast it out it has the initial up movement. Uh-huh. Right. It's more so of an it's obvious. It's not gonna be one of those and, like seeds. Lugo right. has a seed where it's like and it just goes down. Right. And so does Gallons and so does Jordan Montgomery's. And I think that's my interpretation of the death ball is like those guys actually throwing ones that start straighter. Yeah. Actually but also being, don't have side to side. Yeah, right. Good point there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I but yeah, when it was oh man, there's so many thoughts I have there. But yeah, but yeah, uh, Yamamoto's is not gripped like a traditional curveball right it can't you can't really turn your back wrist and have like the normal grip on the side it's got to be like a slider essentially i don't think i i really i can't uh, end it i've seen it a million times and i'm just so like, like uh you have the um here? if you're holding a baseball you have this two c's of the of the seams and stuff so you have a backward c right uh-huh. it's like the bottom of the horseshoe is where you normally grab the slider like your yeah. index finger goes against the bottom of the horseshoe uh, and you normally just stay on top of that and there's your kind of your gyro one and then the sweeper is where you do release instead of staying on top of your wrist you get on the right and you supinate right you open it up now you're doing a slider grip right now or slider part? right so it's kind yeah. of like a, my index fingers on the uh essentially on the right of the ball at the backwards c in the middle of it pushing to the like right this? uh like this yeah like you, see, you can see me here going across this uh right there uh, going straight down on that and then okay. you do that same grip. And instead of pointing your two index fingers at, you know, in front of you, uh-huh. you turn it around and make the baseball face you now. <laughs> and then <laughs> That's you. That's what he's doing. Yeah. And then, the, which is ridiculous. And then he, then he cocks his arm instead of it being straight yeah, up. Yeah. So his it's fingers, like this. And then turns he's it 90 like degrees. He's going like right. this kind of. So then you are actually like, you are just facing uh, the catcher with your two fingers in between you and uh, the catcher and the ball. Which I'm, I'm sure as a podcast, out. you guys really followed along. Uh, but you, but, <laughs> I, I hope that you did. If you do uh, this, you it, grabbed it, a like base. It has no, ch- no it, the only thing you can do is pop out because it's got right. two fingers in front of the ball. Right. So the only thing you can do is pop out. Is pop out. And yeah. to me, that's not ideal. Hmm. Right. For me, when I did it, I, I did in a more traditional grip. It was a very, very Zito grip. And then you leave with your uh, pinky finger down to your ankles. Right. But you got to be thinking a. Uh, uh, fastball until it crosses your shoulder, essentially. Yeah, the uh, karate chop thing has been something that me and my kid have been working on. Yeah, nice. He does. He uh, does a knuckle curve grip. I can't. Uh, I tell him to throw it as hard as he can, just like a fastball. But mm-hmm. you know, instead of I tell him like you're gonna poke somebody in the eyes with your fastball, like with your release. Okay. Yeah. You're gonna like poke two, yeah. your two fingers out in the eyes. He more of a karate chop finish for the for the curveball. Nice. I like the um the uh painting of like you just got paint the fence coming down yeah yeah that's like poking the eyes yeah yeah right um but anyway we have uh we have two more guys why were to we talk talking about, about that <laughs> i know why were we talking about it? because who cares uh <laughs> is that relevant to deception of change-ups and then release uh oh chris sanchez the model. So when we yeah. redid the model chris <laughs> sanchez's change-up came back plus i was happy about that mm-hmm. model wise i'm fairly happy about him the the slider is average-ish uh the um the changeup is one of the best in the game. The sinker is average-ish for sinkers in our model. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe we undervalue sinkers. Uh, that's going to be no, something. No, I mean I generally don't like sinkers either. Yeah, I but, but I yeah. I might be making a little bit more of that problem you just mentioned that he's he's constantly throwing sinkers to right-handers, and I know right. that yes, you can still get them out with the changeup. Yeah, that's the biggest. But you have problem. to set up the changeup. Yeah, he, he, you know he's at like thirty percent uh, with the changeup against lefties, twenty one percent sliders uh, uh, to to righties. I mean, and then he's still throwing forty nine percent sinkers to righties. And when I saw this number, 
righties hit 317 and slug 553 off the sinker. Mm-hmm. Um, that just, I was like, oh, that makes yeah, me a little bit worried. ICR is not fun. The Could he, one like, counter I had. Crappy four seam or something. And then the yeah. last bit is I've seen some, you know, I, I'm too much on Twitter. And I've just <laughs> seen some people throwing out some rotations out there um, with with Sanchez not in it. Mostly because they're still rumored in on Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell. Yeah, but then get rid of Taiwan Walker. <laughs> I mean that we've we've we don't need to make this the Taiwan Walker podcast, <laughs> um, so we don't need to necessarily revisit that. But uh, I think with Walker and Ranger, you've got other guys that you can move on from. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes a lot of like our modeling and stuff, some of it becomes less important when you have as many innings as Taiwan Walker has. Like, do I, do I need to look at stuff plus when he, you've thrown a thousand and seventy innings? Right. Maybe at this point I can just look at your strikeout rate and your walk rate and be like, okay, you're, you're kind of, eh. yeah, that's a good, good point. So um, it's interesting. I mean, guys obviously do change of course along the way and you're trying yeah, to for changes. Well. It's still good, but like if yeah. he's mostly who he's been, you know, right. and, and, and for Walker, the changes have been worse. Like his fastballs are oh, yeah. getting worse over time. So, yeah. Uh, and he always has like that two month stretch where it's just like, Oh, I, I guess Taiwan Walker is good again. And everyone's like, Oh, I love Taiwan Walker. I'm like, you can't. <sighs> right. Yeah. Um, but I, on the last counter I'm going to give about, uh, uh, Christopher Sanchez is the sinker called strike rate was 28% against righties. Um, which is absurdly high. Um, and it makes me think that there oh, because is... you haven't even added in. So good called strikes with whiffs is around 30. Uh, yeah, right. But you're right. saying it's 28 with just called. On called strike side. I mean, obviously you're not going to get a ton of whiffs with, uh, with sinkers. It might still um, but yeah, like 31% or of his, 31. Yeah, 31% so it's above of average still by CSW. So that's limiting how much contact is being made just inherently. Uh, when he does throw the when sinker, they make does contact, help it. it's good contact. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's fifty percent ICR last year to right. Yeah, which is not good. I would attribute that to. I mean, yeah, Sanchez needs to do a couple things. One, it's always going to be a bad sinker. I think against righties, that's just you know, offhanded sinkers are just generally not good. Uh, two, he throws it so much over the plate. Uh, and three, uh, I think adding on the slider, um, which just he is trying to get down replace in some, righties. Replace some when you need a called strike. Replace yeah. some of those with replace with it with the, the slider. The changeup is still there. Really, honestly, lean as much as you can to that changeup. It can be the Logan Webb method of just leaning more into changeups, and then sinkers are the the ha pitch. Oh yeah, like a little out. bit. Yeah, pinch backwards a little bit against left right against righties. And we've only seen one season of this. Um, I have to imagine. That I uh, that Sanchez is just a this cutter possibility, or right. just a like a, a show me four seam, like a just a just a good enough four seam to exactly kind of back them up a little bit. And of course, it's possible that Sanchez is worse from this, right? That we saw this peak. It doesn't mean that he's not a plateau and he's going to escalate up. Absolutely. Uh, I maybe actually wish casting a little bit that if anything, it's going to go up rather than down. Um, just from a skill standpoint, I'm really talking about the the actual metrics of a 105 whip, which you probably won't hold again. Uh, but, but yeah, I just, I just feel it's such a good changeup. Uh, the sinker does really well against lefties. The slider is not a terrible number three whatsoever. Good strike pitch in my view. And there's room to grow with a lot of volume probably coming and, and wins. I don't really believe the whole Snell and, uh, and Montgomery thing. There are too many other teams that need them. Not the Phillies at this point, I think. With yeah. The, game, with the, 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 the Giants just traded away, uh, a two guy or one guy that was like their number two starting pitcher on some depth charts. So right now their three through five are Keaton Wynn, Jordan Hicks and Tristan Beck. Yeah. I think they need, uh, right. He's the most Montgomery, like Montgomery, the giants is the only one better in the past were the Orioles to me. Well, I think uh, Snell might make sense too, just because Tristan Beck, like, if oh no, Snell he's goes too good. He's too or... high ceiling for the Giants. This is my point. <laughs> yeah. You need like the underrated match, Toby. A bunch of mediocre pieces over there. That's dude. what the Giants do, you know. <laughs> it's not about fit. It's about vibe. Um, but right, we have uh, we have other guys we want to talk about here. We do have to take a quick break before Eno tells me the second guy that he wants to focus on. So, you know, here we are. Uh, we talked about one old guy. You said it was two old guys. 
So I, what do you got for us? I want to tell you about an old guy who was the number one starting pitcher in fantasy baseball in 2022. And last year he was the 20th best uh, starting pitcher in baseball. Uh, he still has one of the best sliders in baseball by stuff. Plus uh, his fastball is still one of the best forcing fastballs by stuff. Plus and to boot a curveball and a usable changeup, above average command of all four pitches. Why is Justin Verlander so low on your rankings? Oh, he's just going to get worse. <laughs> There's I mean, a lot of room be... in that, though. To uh, get no, worse well, okay. and be good. So, this actually was a, a lar- large discussion I had with um, Eric Samolsky, um about Verlander. And I think one thing that I don't quite uh, you know, do enough for Verlander is how good he is at inducing pop-ups with his four-seamer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the thing for him. Yeah, he always had high fly ball rates, but like he's just been always so good at that. He's a high, higher, um, highest with the four seam guy. Right. I, I'm worried that like we see this guy that's just been this thing for so long, and then what happens last year? Uh, well, first of all, you finally get Tommy Johnny kids comes back 175 innings. What's the honeymoon that you're now doubting? It's normally like 300 is what we understood it to be before. Yeah, for that, something like 400. And he's pretty close to that now. He also, uh, Verlander also, uh, missed time to start last year, which is something that we didn't really get used to from Verlander. And it's like, okay, yeah, right. You are what 41 now. Um, I do have an F from the Jeff Zimmerman health report card. <laughs> I just like the idea of you touching your ear and be like, Jeff, what is it? And he goes, ah, oh, oh, that's an F. <laughs> and uh like oh, thank you so much jeff appreciate that you, you see him like literally just standing in a hospital as all these nurses go by he doesn't know where to go uh he's on the scene um but with verlander i get it like i have him at 43 because i say look like he's gonna help you he's gonna get you wins when he pitches i don't think he's gonna have 180 innings I uh, i think he's gonna have probably like 140 or so that's what we're hoping for crossing my fingers actually i remember distinctly in december when after we already heard that Clayton Kershaw was going to miss all his time and the Grom's on the shelf and Scherzer's now missing time, I just assumed that Verlander was too. Like, I just was like, oh, yeah, he also didn't expect until like last year, August, you know? right? You know, well, I mean, he didn't, you know, start, uh, start last year, he didn't. Uh, he wasn't there for opening day and it took some time right. for him to return. But, and then he was terrible and all the Mets fans booed him. Um, but uh, just to me, Verlander, the stuff isn't returning. In the same way, like he's not getting whiffs on this four seamer anymore. The slider is not a twenty percent swing strike rate pitch anymore. Um, the change in curve are fine, don't get me wrong, but he's not a twenty five percent strikeout arm. He's a twenty percent. Yeah, that's I, a I can't square the. I can't really square the the model numbers still being so high and the swing strike rate numbers being low. I, I there is some disconnect there for me. And so I'm going to hew closer to the model uh, and think that he can get back uh, on the uh, on the horse when it comes to getting those wisps back. That's fair. Uh, I I'm not that much of a believer for a 41 year old who, at this point, we so rarely see like resurgences again when we see I think result degradation <laughs> all on your two best pitches. It's fair to talk about aging curves, and that's why none of the projections, you know, none of the projections are saying he can get back to, you know, twenty-five or whatever. Our projection says twenty-five percent for a strikeout rate, and you know, it's fair to talk about aging curves. But I mean, he's Nolan Ryan. Oh man. Nolan Nolan Ryan Ryan actually needed Tommy John at the end. He probably could have done it longer. (laughs) Yeah, I just I I. I hesitate to kind of take, especially if you look at aging curves and you like think about like how they're done. They're what they do is the most um, popular method is called the Delta method. And what you do is you take a guy in 24 and you take him at 25, you find the difference in key stats or whatever. And then um, you take them, take that out of the player context and sort of average every 24 to 25 year old bridge. Right. And sort of average all the differences between 24 and 25. Well, what happens when you've got five guys in your 41-year-old bucket? Like, are you comparing Nolan Ryan to Bartolo Colon? Yes. Yeah, right, right. You are. And I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> so, I, Man, just one pitch. 
at a 15% swing strike rate, and that's it on a slider last I mean, year. it's not going to look good, obviously, because it's the worst yeah, strike rate of his career, the worst strikeout rate of his career, or, you know, of since he's become sort of right. Verlander. But um, honestly, you just you just really hit a nerve in the good way. Like it's like a like a oh an opening nerve, I guess. Yeah. Like it, it it was a compressed nerve. <laughs> the idea that he is Nolan Ryan, because I didn't I, I I honestly I'm buying into that more because I've always loved his mechanics. Mm-hmm. I've always loved Verlander's form that he gets the arm up quicker and everything. Ah, but like okay, so here's here's the problem, you know. Mm-hmm. I have, I mean, also Eric Smolsky's on your side. He had like Verlander, like 30 or 35 or something like, like uh-huh. that. I mean, okay. I sh- I'll have Verlander above Bassett. I'll make that swap. I'll even like, <laughs> you know, the, so that's a 42. The problem that I have is I, I'm not going to be sold on the 25% K rate. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that Verlander isn't going to all of a sudden be like a four ERA and a, uh, a 120 whip or something like that. Okay, so like it's a three five, it's like a one fifteen, whatever you want, but like it, he's still going to be beneficial in these ways, sure. Uh, I, the guys I have in twenty nine forty back issues or some side issues, right? Or whatever. Um, the Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer has been pretty good while in, but and he's a he's a future Hall of Famer. You can compare him to Max Scherzer, and Max Scherzer's missed time and lost command right. due to back stuff. Um. My 29 through 40 are all guys that I expect to have higher strikeout rates, have similar, if not more volume, um, and similar ratio potential. I mean, I, I will say ERA should be safer for Verlander. Probably some of the whips, too. It's just it doesn't come with like the big injury F report card. Where do you and, have Glasnow? Uh, where do I have Glasnow? I have him in that super fun tier, right? So he's at sixteen. I wrestled so you, with that. So, so you have you. I like have him at ten, and yeah, that's tough because you can make the argument of hey, twelve team or like you should be putting him higher up, Nick, because mm-hmm. Glasnow then has a higher replacement level, and it's on the IL as opposed to like Walker. Yeah, Beale, if you have unlimited IL and you're in a ten team or like it's yeah, like Glasnow. that's absurd. Yeah. Um, but I also I again I was just like. Ah, I, I actually have this weird theory of Bobby Miller eventually getting more than anyone else in the Dodgers uniform this year. Yeah, I think that could be true, but I think it could also be 130. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like the, the Dodgers are going to... like Kershaw led Yellow them with 130 last year. Yeah. Oh, my. Is that right? Oh my yes. That is, I did not realize that. Kershaw led. Yeah. Oh boy! Um, also, uh, like, have you yeah. done some reading up on Clayton Kershaw's injury? Have you been thinking about him? Like, uh, well, he's actually literally he at one hundred because I thought that was like the most fun thing I can give him is at one hundred. Uh, that's where I have like my Degrom and my that, Scherzer. That's where I have Scherzer. I think I had nine hundred or hundred. So I had this like little tier. Like these are the IL stashes if you want to play that game. I don't want to play that game until August <laughs> because I think there's just so much stuff that we don't talk about with it of just yeah. the mental aspect and like you don't just have it for free. You're going to have to make decisions and you're going to be more biased in those decisions because you've already stashed him for so long. And, and then all of a sudden is Clint Kershaw going to be helpful when he does come back right away. Then it's like a week of like, well, it's only going to be four innings. So then do I want to get, I'm done. I'm not going to talk about no, but anymore. Did you yeah. read about the injury in specific and like the, the, the surgery and know anything about sort of coming back? I honestly, I can't really tell you much outside of shoulder surgery. Yeah, it was um, a capsule surgery. I believe that's not that. Anytime that Steven Lyman has me say capsule, I can see him like, oh, I just completely shiver. Oh, man. It's not fun here. Surgery to repair glenohumeral ligaments. (laughs) See, I've had it. I've seen it described like differently. This is so upsetting to me. I wish people just told us. I don't understand why they obfuscate like the the whole Mm. Shohei Otani you know, uh, you know, he had surgery on his elbow thing. Yeah. I was so annoyed by that. <laughs> oh, here it is. Undergoing surgery to repair the glenohumeral ligaments and capsule. So there is capsule. So yeah. I looked up capsule repair and I found like a really nice looking, you know, you, you, they have these like peer reviewed medical, you know, reviews of these things. Right. Yeah. And I found a really nice one that had MLB players in it capsule with time to uh, time to return, mm-hmm. you know, 
and all this stuff. And the, the average time to return was 15 months. <laughs> and so then this dude comes out, his doctor comes out and says four to six, what? you know, and Clayton comes out and says, I'm hoping to, you know, pitch in the summer sometime later in the summer. And you're like, I don't know, man, it's oh you, my the God. capsule was repaired and it's 15 months. So I think he's kind of on a do not draft for me. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, no matter what I, happened to Verlander, he had his surgery super late, which I think is good. That means he was sure. healthy for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was elbow versus shoulder. So I, I think I, I, you know, we talk about, do we have a do not draft list? We have do not draft pockets. We're just like, well, I got to put them on here. I think I might not even put Clayton Kershaw on. Well, right. That, I mean, that's why I stuck it all the way to the bottom of it. When yeah. I when I do the list. Just as I mean, um, we must have forgotten about Kershaw. Oh, that's why I have 400, you know. That's why it's 400. (laughs) Yeah, you got to put them on there somewhere. (laughs) You know, what's really funny, too, is I don't even do prospects. Like, I really generally don't at all. Um, I have a ramble for this, okay? And I'm going to tell you all after we take a quick break. Prospect pitchers used to be a thing where I said, I'm not going to talk about this guy until he shows up. Because in general, in 12-teamers, it's foolish for us to... Think about the future value when it's so important, especially in those leagues. Just get what value now. Don't worry about it. Week. You'll find it later. Yeah. So I just said that. I was like, okay, this guy you're really excited about, whatever. You know, and then it, I started realizing, okay, fine. Like, it's nice to know when they say, this guy's getting called up. Like, do I actually care or not? And then should I make that move or not? Okay. Mm. And then it's, oh, yeah, the spring training stuff. All right, fine, fine, fine. I should know this. And then finally, we got AAA data. Like, we actually That's have right. the SACCAS stuff that we can do this. And now we have these good... Uh, good opportunities for it. and we have a lot more people putting out really really detailed scouting reports the stuff that eric Loggenhagen does now is amazing mm-hmm. he actually he actually tells us what they're throwing I've, I've i've seen so many scouting reports about like he has a good fastball and this i'm like no 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 i, I and, then, and they'll just be like a breaking ball like yeah it's like, like i don't uh, what you do a little better than breaking ball That's, literally you wrote five paragraphs about this guy and i just care about this one sentence is it of a like, sweeper what fastball is it what a kind gyro? of you know, is it what's a... his number one pitch can he throw his change up for strikes like that's all i want to know <laughs> yeah. so so this year i i went through all of the rotations and i i it's i'll translate i'll, I'll actually trans um What's the segue? Translate? No, what's the word? It's fine. Uh, I'll move into my second guy. Uh, and I said, okay, fine. I'm going to go through all the prospects. And I'm going to be like, who are the relevant ones for 2024 that actually might make some starts? I got some names And uh, all of a sudden, I realized that like I had like 60 already done because I had like at least two for every team. I was like, oh my gosh, I have a top 50. This is amazing. I think I actually have it like to top 90 now. I was really tempted to find like 10 more I just prospects. I don't have a top 90. Uh, well, I mean, it's not necessarily good. <laughs> like, I'm not. It's weird. I say, like, I'm not a dynasty guy. I went on to the Toolshed podcast. Eric and Cross, they were uh, Eric and Cross. Eric and Clegg yeah. uh, were great. They were awesome hosts. I was someone coming from the redraft side. And I did say often, like, hey, look, I'm not a dynasty guy because I'm sure I'm saying things that are uh, ignorant of what that format is like and the decisions you have to make. However, I'm very much of like, all right, right now, don't take chances. Like, this is it. So I made this of being of groupings of like S tier, A tier or whatever. And it's I I find myself like I'd rather go after that than like any IL stash or something like that. Right. Mm. I would so much rather just be like, who is it in spring that can just be like, oh, dang, this guy's getting this opportunity and he's really dope. Mm -hmm. And like it would be Jackson Job, but I'm actually able to do research now and say like, yeah, no. Jackson Job is too far down on the totem pole. There's also Reese Olsen and Sawyer Gibson Long that very likely would get any sort of rotation opportunity before Jackson Job. They'll wait a little bit longer there. As much as I love him, I got to push him down the thing. So, so anyway, what I wanted to get to was there is one guy in this idea of like prospects, young players that could get opportunities and everyone is going to just say like, Nick, you're an idiot and that's fine. Could talk about DL Hall. Could talk about AJ Puck. Who are going to get these opportunities? Who I think actually I'm very favorable on inside my top eighty. Believe it or not, because like it's that moment you should just take chances and not settle for John Means. I'm sorry, mm. uh, but Prelander Baroa, how do you feel about this? You know, no way, really. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, I love the stuff, but uh, and and the heat maps that I've got. Uh, and the and the sort of video I've got is like it's like how many innings was it like one point six? 
it's, you, it's, yeah. Yeah. If you throw it's, like uh, through like 20 pitches or through like 70 pitches, I think. I've got seven. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, last year in I uh, in like the majors, he had like 2.1 innings or something like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was something super low, super low. It was actually two different kinds of starts, though. It's kind of why I'm a little bit more interested on, on Burrow, but go ahead. Well, I was just looking at the heat maps on Brooks Baseball, uh, which mm. had, uh, as I remember it, um, uh, like 70-ish. Let me see. I've got the heat map here, I think. Um, anyway, what I found was uh, half of his pitches were uncompetitive. Well, right. There were there were just like stupid mistakes way so out of the zone, which is why my model hates his stuff, or hates it. PLV hates it because like PLV will sign it as a zero, right? Yeah. Um, so he had twenty eight pitches, and if you none like there's the shadow zone, but then there's the like non competitive waste yeah. waste, and like of the twenty eight pitches, I see eight, nine, ten, eleven uh, in the non competitive right you know areas. But the thing is, it's like, okay. And that lines so up with his walk rates. That. that rocks lines up with his command grades from scouts. 100%. So I, so just really quickly, for those not too familiar with PLV, um, it's our pitch model here at PitcherList, where it's uh, it's like Eno's um, pitching plus, essentially, as opposed to the stuff plus. We're very much about locations with stuff and just in counts and handedness and being like, was this a, how good of a pitch was this in this moment? And for us, it's more about uh, understanding the events that happen through a singular pitch and less about like the kind of grand scope of it. Uh, so with like Prelander, yeah, his PLV is not very good in his stuff because he gets a zero and goes from zero to 10 is our model. So he gets a zero. <laughs> nice. It's just like, well, that's a terrible, terrible pitch, right? Yeah. Uh, and that means that like, sure, he'll have like a lot of sevens and eights and whatever in there too. But like, you're just going to pull down that huge thing because you have 20 of those like zeros, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so with Prelander, he had these two games. He had one, I believe one was the Jays and one was the Astros. Um, I can't remember the two different teams. Uh, but one of them, he was way more wild east-west and one of them, he was just missing too far low. And looking at Barroa's mechanics, it is less of a violent delivery than I expected. I really expected this to be this just unbelievably fast on uh, you know, on drive and like completely opening up with his gloves so much and uh, 20 million things going on at the end. And it's just, that's not quite it. And it seems to me that he's just doing max effort. Um, mm. And then all of a sudden was in the majors and was like, well, I need it. You know, I mean, who, Kyle Bodie talks about like just throw away all command marks that you have for rookies, essentially, um, unless you're George Kirby. So it's what's interesting to me is that Baroa has a slider that in some ways he trusts more than the four seam where he gets strikes, which is already a wonderful thing to have. And when you talk about the actual skill set of, okay, look, sure, I'm throwing my command a little bit, but I think it's not as bad as those walk rates will suggest. Um, this is like a harder throwing with a more strike reliable slider Christian Javier to me. Because the if the VAA, the extension is there for the uh, the adjusted Not VAA, I should say, guy too. is so good on this four-seamer with, I mean, it was 96, 97 or so in the pen. I think I remember seeing like 99, 100 when it was like spring or something. And sure, that falls down to 94, 95. Uh, if you want to say it would turn into a starter. But it's so you you so rarely find a pitcher that is this dominant when he throws strikes. It's just so rare. And I don't want to just say, well, he can't throw strikes game over, man. You know, actually, one of the best examples that I have, unfortunately, I don't like this person. But do you remember that Mike Clevenger had a 12% walk rate in his first year? And then all Mm. of a sudden, the next year was like 70%. And it's not out of the question. You see, we want to talk about herky-jerky mechanics and everything. It's not yeah. uh, out of the question of guys saying, okay, this is now the direction for you. Fix that instead of like trying to get the most vert on it or something like that. Mm. It's possible. It's why a lot of people like, we like stuff first and then we can figure out the command later, right? And you see the White Sox. Oh, well, hi, White Sox. You know, like, what are you doing this year? 
you got nothing to lose. You got this yeah, guy I mean, that is could be so overwhelmingly amazing. You didn't really have to give much. To and him. why why make that trade if you're just gonna put him in relief? Right. Because you had a reliever that was good. Like what's because Baroba could be a starter. And right. man, like I I if I'm the White Sox right now, I say, hey Davy Garcia, hey Prelander Baroa, go knock it out. And if you do really well for like half a season, maybe we could just like flip you if we really don't feel like there's something long term with this. Like, let's try to get as much exposure for these high ceiling guys because we've got nothing to lose. And because of that, I'm like, whatever. Baroa, you're at 105. If you are like in camp as a starter, I honestly, even though I've, I feel like I've learned my lesson, but like Matt Brash, I'm like, you can't throw strikes. I don't care. Uh, I don't know. If Baroa is all of a sudden throwing more strikes to that fastball, then like sign me up. The depth chart right now is Dylan Cease, Eric Fetty, Mike Kopech, Mike Soroka, and Chris Flexen, <laughs> according to Fangraphs. Man, I'm curious about Fetty, honestly. It's going to be a tough year there. Um, I think somebody like Nick Nastrini, um, you can keep uh, in the minors a little bit longer. Yes. Um, you know, Jake Eater is coming back from I don't uh, like surgery. Jake huh? I don't like Jake Eater. Well, I'm just I'm just mentioning that they have some prospects oh, that are no, also right. listed Absolutely. above Davy Garcia and Fernando Barroa as starters. Um, but I think that those guys, uh, it, there's also Tukey, you know, in terms of uh, who they might throw in the mix. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, there's Michael also Kopech Jake Woodford and Chad Cool getting non-roster invites. By the way, they're I mean, in my they, top 400. This is the spaghetti against the wall, right? You know, approach and. You know, Kopech himself was had one foot in the bullpen at one point, um, so he could he could be their closer this year. You know, yeah. Soroka, I I don't know, Flexen, I don't know. I am cautiously optimistic that one of those guys will get a chance, and I think it's for me it's less of a, a an aggressive rank and more of like if we could create a watch list. You know, yeah. of you know, guys to specifically and like you know maybe what you're looking for in the spring. Been doing that a little bit on rates and barrels and talking about like, hey, can he do this thing? Can he? Did yes. he add a pitch? Did he? You know, some sort of watch list. I put him on. Um, in terms of like, you know, ways that I kind of look for uh, uh, guys. I I do like the fact that we have AAA. Uh, numbers now, yeah. and so I mm-hmm. can look at stuff plus. And yes, Jackson Job is a is too far in the other direction. Like he, you know, I don't think he's going to pitch in the major leagues this year. It's, right, he's got a little bit more work to do. Although his stuff plus and a ball was like the best in the minor leagues. So yeah, and my stuff plus eye test is through the roof too. Yeah, so I like him a lot, but oh not God. for this year. So right. there's some room between Job and Baroa that I live in. <laughs> and yeah. that's sort of scouting sixth uh, starters. Yeah. You know, so the names that come to mind for me are Will Warren and um, Jared Jones. Sure. <clears throat> As uh, just guys that maybe, um, maybe they'll cost a little bit more depending on your roster, like your, the leagues you're in dynasty, whatever. Um, maybe they don't have a job out of, you know, April one, like Barola might. Uh, but I like them a little bit better as pitchers. Will Warren has the Michael King package in a way. Um, it's the the thing that the Yankees were doing a lot of, which is sweeper, sinker, sweeper, cutter, four seam. <clears throat> and the stuff numbers love that package. And if you can execute it, you're good. If you can't, you're Clark Schmidt. Um, <laughs> and uh, I love Clark, so I still have hope that Clark figures it out. Clark uh, is a Jared Jones is, for deeper leagues, too. Jared Jones is a little bit more like a Baroa with command, like really mm-hmm. good fastball, really good slider, everything's hard. And you may say that his command numbers didn't look good, but I think it's ABS because he hit triple A and his sure his walk numbers changed. So those are two guys that I've got circled. Uh, I don't go 90 deep though. Uh, on <laughs> well, the I mean, prospect I, side, I love those names, <clears throat> I think that's fantastic. I, I think to call it is probably pretty close to where you Tacoa Roby. I wasn't as impressed by, mm. um, as far as, I mean, in the AFL, he also struggled. I, I don't know if I like his four seamer as much as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have, I have two distinct like rankings. Like one is like, okay, cool. Ricky Tiedemann needs to be up there. Like if he gets a job there, you need to pick him up. I don't necessarily love him, but also you're going to just pick him up and we'll deal with that Extreme later. Extreme innings 
Yeah. Grist, though. It I mean, like, doesn't, he, he's put, like, I think the reason why I have him high right is there. because of Alec Manoa being the five. Right. And uh, what's going on there. There's also, <clears> by the way, Bowden Francis. Like, I didn't realize I love his fastball. Um, yeah, he kept popping in my numbers. And I was like, who is this person? I only know him through Stuff Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing him like for one opening or something of a year last year. Like, if I know a guy, it's because I wrote about him on the SP round. Oh, Stuff Plus loves Bowden Francis. Yeah. I should put him somewhere in my ranks, I guess. Because his, his four seamer is so good. Um, like, mm-hmm. essentially, if I see someone with like great extension and great VAA, I'm like, that's fine. IVB, honestly, or Vert, not as important to me as extension, I've found. I I find you are the Tampa Bay Rays. There you go. <clears throat> I now now command is something you brought up before about like well extension kind of messes that up. But yeah, I've been I've been noticing this a bit because that's the Zach Wheeler method. Zach Wheeler does not mm-hmm. have vert, um, and uh, he's so and good with that four seamer. It's interesting too that like the league is doing better every year against uh, inverted imputed vertical break. So like. Mm what used to be really good vertical break on your fastball you kind of have to get a little bit more and yeah, so that's a great point you can fall into sort of as an organization just chasing that mm-hmm. or you can go in a different direction and um i've seen there's a lot of talk of you know on the player development and scouting level that like you know maybe correctly shaping sinkers and like maybe more of an, an, a two seam versus a sinker maybe there are uh, other types of fastballs that we can develop that hitters don't see as much of yeah that we can sort of bring back into the you know i knew it was smart for me to bring my machete and safari hat let's go let's find them (laughs) i before before we go um in this one i do want to at least mention the grouping that i have for those like hey these are prospect pitchers that i think have at least some chance of doing something in camp especially if there's just like one injury that happens Mm-hmm. I didn't have Jared Jones in there because I thought that the Pirates would be more like they have nothing to rush there. Mm-hmm. Um, they just added two with Marco Gonzalez and and Martin Perez as well. And there's just like it's just not the Pirates thing to do. I think uh, to rush that one. And they gave they gave like you know Luis Ortiz and 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 yeah, Ronzi Contreras not, a lot of not shots. Jared Jones, huh? Uh, but maybe you're right. I mean, is I, Jones Jared Jones better than Quinn Priester and Luis Ortiz? Even absolutely. if he's in there, probably so. Well, right. So is Paul Skeens going to get it before Jared Jones as well? Right, I had Jaron Jones underneath Skeens. Uh, yeah, I think there. there is a shape of innings thing. Like, I think Skeens yeah. gets 120 innings this year. Mm-hmm. And so, if, and uh, and Jared Jones can get 150. Sure. So, I don't know how does that work out. If you only get 120, right. you don't want to, you don't want Skeens to get too many of those in the minors. You have another yeah. guy who can get more. So, I guess Skeens leapfrogs Jones because you have more innings from Jones, so you can leave Jones in the in the minors longer. I guess. I don't know. Or you just don't like you put skins in the minors and then you just don't have them start there and just hang out and like you don't waste the option. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, pay attention to both, but Kate Horton's in there. Um, mm. You have uh, Mick Abel because yeah, he's like essentially Kate like Horton SB6 Mick right Abel. now for the for the Phillies. Yeah, this um, is exactly what I'm talking about. This this is this is the kind of right? person that can come up middle yeah, of the and year actually and matters. Sudden, you know, it's yeah. not just because he has the volume. Um, Robert Gasser is kind of in that mix uh, with Aaron Ashby too. Um, and yeah, uh, I did this Thor, thing. Maybe I did this thing. Uh, I think a piece will come out next week, but um, I was looking at young uh, stars that have broken out through stuff and location. Mm-hmm. And of the 55 breakout seasons we've had from stars, oh, under yeah, 25, I saw this tweet. Uh, uh, you know, five of them had uh, below average locations on their fastballs. Um, and only one of those five also had below average locations on their slider. So four of those guys were like, okay, yeah, he doesn't. It was like Dylan Cease. He doesn't locate yeah, his fastball well. I realize it was Cease. But he can get a slider over for a strike, right? Sometimes. So, yeah, so or at least a slightly above average rate, you know. Um, and do you know who the fifth guy was that didn't do, that couldn't locate any of his three pitches? I was going to say Snell. Ashby. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's that's rough. And I, and um, I, and I wonder still, if we're asking a lot of him. His finger was so hard to hit. It was. And, it's, and then he lost so movement on it. But I think it's like maybe asking a lot of him to like recapture that breakout essence sure. coming off of that big injury and having That's a great point. Command issue. Yeah, for me, I have him ranked because it's like, we just don't know where he is at. I mean, I saw one report that was like his velocity is there and he's so excited, all that kind of stuff. Like, all right, let's just see. 
uh, I, I, they yeah, need no. him. I mean, because like they're running out a bunch of schmoes. Uh, well, it's deal. Deal Hall's the one I'm more interested in. I like um, him. Um, and AJ Puck is also someone I'm really interested in too, because really the five is Trevor Rogers. Um, and that's I don't think that Jake know. I like Jake Junis. They're saying he's starting, but in in Milwaukee, like we already have a use case for Jake Junis, which is maybe his best scenario is eighty to ninety innings, you know, mm-hmm. in a hybrid role. Uh, Colin mm-hmm. Ray is not going to stop right. anybody who's yeah. you know throwing lights out. So Joe Ross is there. He was initially in roster resources five. But, you know, like the Rosses, both of them have always been like best cast as relievers for me. Yeah, like sinker slider, fastball slider, high yeah. effort, no lower half. Just like right. All oh yeah, arm. right. I never even thought about that. Yeah, which so. to me, if it's no lower half, which says no extension to me, no extension uh, either. Both of them. Right. So I mean, that's actually it's really helpful for me too, understanding my emphasis on extension for for pitchers now. It's like that is always such a good thing, in my view. Hopefully, you can have command with the two, but right. It's one of the more important. It's easier uh, to parts scout now. Model. It's not, but it's it's not a. Uh, it's not like number one or two. Hmm. What's interesting is that uh, release point is like number one or number two. So, you know, just combining uh, uh, an interesting release point with, you know, with uh, interesting movement is, is important. But that's also kind of hard to scout sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, you're going to have to get the rest of my ranks on the site. I think it's live like now. I don't know. It's it's all written it's just about shoving it all together and then WordPress being like, I don't want to move. You just made 100 words. In this. WordPress oh. is like, 40,000 words can't compute. Yeah, right. Just dying. Oh my gosh. So we're getting it out, guys. Um, but uh, it should be out by the time you listen to this. And, uh, you know, this is such a fun podcast. I love that we get to do this. Uh, yeah, this is fun. You know, thanks so much for taking the time today to talk to me about the craft of pitching.